Today's program is brought to you by Ad Passion and Stir, Big Chefs, Big Ideas, the new podcast from the anti-hunger organization Share Our Strength. Listen at strength.org slash passion. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. This is Cynthia Cherish Malloran, Reverend DJ Cherish the Love, and you are listening to Primary Food on Heritage Radio Network. So before I forget, let me tell you how to reach out to me and get my attention on social media, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at DJ Cherish the Love, that is spelled L-U-V, and hashtag using Primary Food. Heritage underscore radio and hashtag Rev Love. So we are deep into the fourth season of Primary Food, and I am so excited for today's guest. I was in prison with her recently. <laughs> so I'll explain that. But let me get to the other important stuff and, uh, you know, I need to implant into your brain first. <laughs> so what exactly is Primary Food, the name of this show? I learned this really great concept in nutrition school at IIN, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, that the food you eat, you know, the stuff we put into our mouths and chew and enjoy, we consider that secondary food. Primary food is everything else in life that nourishes us before we sit down and eat. And that is stuff like enjoying music, reading a book, hanging out with friends, cooking food, a great job, creative expression, travel, playing games, exercise. All that good stuff. And I am so glad that I learned this because it was the high-quality primary food that I kept in my life while going through chemotherapy last year that kept me happy and healing my cancer. So Primary Food is produced by Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit member-supported radio station devoted to all things food. Help keep Heritage Radio Network alive by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Do it now or do it later at the end of the show. And, uh, you know, I'll send you all sorts of good juju. I will love you forever. And, you know, seriously, I need you. We need you. And it's good to feel needed, right? So today... We are talking about how to feed a woman <laughs> with today's guest. How to feed a woman is our primary food. And today's guest, a, a guide, a Sherpa for many. Mm-hmm. A woman who was once uh, Oprah Winfrey's chief of staff and is now her very own chief of staff uh, on an adventure in life to define, well, life in itself, Libby Moore. Hi, Libby. Hi. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me here. Actually, I feel very super blessed to have you here. I have wanted to have this conversation with you for, well, since we were in since prison. We were in prison. 
We were in jail together. Since we were in Come jail on. together. Don't la- play it off. <laughs> in jail. Last year, uh, I had been DJing at Rikers Island through literacy for incarcerated teens in Galinsky coaching. And Libby came in with me and the first crew to Rose M. Singer Center's prison. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to, uh, well, what was your experience like? I've talked about it many mm-hmm. times on the show. As I said to Robert after that whole event, it was one of the top three best experiences of my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said to him recently, I was going, well, we were on that bus going over that long yeah. bridge over to the island. And I was praying in my head going, oh, my God, what am I going to say to these girls? Because mm-hmm. their experience is not my experience. Um, and I just felt like, what do I have to offer? What do I have to say? And and But that was in my head prior to the event. But as we were going over the mm-hmm. bridge, I kept saying just, okay, universe, source, whatever you want to call it, it's all the same thing. Speak through me. Use me as your divine instrument. And mm. I just opened up every atom, cell, and molecule in my bo- body. And then when I got up there, it just flowed through me. So the, I said something totally different as, you you know, you were there. And I said some things that I didn't think I would say, and I just felt mm. very open and vulnerable and wanted to share myself, and they shared themselves back. It was just extraordinary. It's kind of easy when you, I guess, commit to the truth and just mm-hmm. tell your story. Yeah. There's real, you know, you know your, you know your truth the best, right? Mm-hmm. And sharing that and teaching other people, to, especially women, to speak their truth, I think, is, is a beautiful social responsibility that we take on. Mm-hmm. It is truly a blessing you're here. And I have just I just feel so blessed to this entire year. I was also blessed with a wonderful gift of music. Ubiquity Records in Costa Mesa, California has granted me permission to spin their entire discography on the air and out wherever I gig, which is pretty incredible. So during our little music breaks, that is what you'll be hearing. Music that's quite rare, actually, and I'm dusting it off and giving it new life. So Ubiquity Records was founded in 1990 out of the Groove Merchant Record Store in Lower Haight of San Francisco. Following the success of Groove Merchant, Love and Hate Record label was launched, and in 1993, the company was incorporated as Ubiquity Recordings. Huge love and shout-out to my music family over there in Costa Mesa. All right, well... We're going to have some good music, but we're also going to have a whole lot of great storytelling. So, Libby Moore. Cynthia. (laughs) DJ Cherish the Love. Where to even begin? I guess I can start with my description for this episode. Libby Moore, Oprah's former chief of staff, joins me on today's episode to discuss how women can and should nourish themselves on every level. Mm -hmm. So I called you Sherpa. You are also a super connector, an adventurer, and you've set off on your own quest to feed yourself mentally, spiritually, physically, and more. And you've launched something called the Libby Moore Gypsy Tour, which is, we've got to talk about that, <laughs> which I already know a little bit about. And I find it to be an inspiring move for you to find your highest self and inspire us mm. to do the same. So you can get to know Libby Moore more <laughs> at LibbyMoore.com. That's M-O-O-R-E. But before we get into all of this stuff that is going to make this one of the most important episodes I've done um, for myself, for all women. You know, let's talk about the past, get it out of the way, and then we'll talk about the now and the future. So what exactly is a chief of staff? (laughs) Good question. Um, The way I used to describe it is I was like Oprah, I was like the air traffic coordinator. Oh, that sounds very, very... Air traffic... Yeah. What is it? Controller. Control, Air traffic yeah. controller at Oprah International Airport. 
and the airport was open 24-7, and my job was to make sure all the planes were landing on time, getting off on time, and if there's a fire in Terminal 3, it was my job to find out, get it out, find out where it happened, make sure it won't happen again. So That doesn't sound stressful at all. (laughs) Well, the lucky part was that um, I managed a team of about five assistants, and together as a team, we did that. I wouldn't have lasted five months had I not had a team of executive assistants who really knew what they were doing. I I actually never really felt like a good executive assistant. I'm a really, really good connector with people energetically. And I'm really good at delegating. I learned that on the job. But this team was phenomenal. Um, And, uh, yeah, that's what it was. So, So by no means was I overseeing the show or, you know, her foundation and things like that. But I was her key liaison. I connected... I was the last stop before any um, piece of mail or phone call or meeting got on her schedule. I was her key liaison for all points of business. How many years did you do that? It sounds incredible. Well, incredible experience, I'm sure. What gets written a lot is 11 years. And so I was December 4th, 2000 was my first day on the job. And December 31st, 2011 was my, the end of, you know, my time with um, Oprah and Harpo. But um, I did the job. I don't know why I feel compelled to say this for exactly like 10 months, 10 years and nine months. Do you know what I mean? Like do specific. I know. (laughs) I don't know what, uh, yeah, I don't know why. And then, you know, my, um, I had been helping with the team that was creating super soul Sunday on the network. So once we had hired a new chief of staff in New York, who is phenomenal. I mean, really off the charts. And I helped um, train her for, you know, or she had, we worked together for about four months so she could really get, understand what that job was because it's mammoth. Mm -hmm. And then when she was good, I stepped out, moved to LA and helped with the team launch Super Soul Sunday on the network. That was just like four or five months. And then I left to do the Libby Moore Gypsy tour. How do you decide to leave something like that as part of what we're going to talk about today? What is what is your background, or how did you get to that point? Because that is mm-hmm. a very unique, special position, I think. Meaning the the, the over- air traffic control. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I moved to New York when I was twenty five, and my dream was to write for Saturday Night Live. Um, and and about a month after I got here, I got this job as Mari Povich's personal assistant. This was like in 91, I think, or 92. I was 25 years old. And he was amazing to me. This was a year after he he launched his talk show. And uh, so I thought, oh, I have a job and I'll just do this while I'm trying to get a job at Saturday Night Live. So I ended up staying with Mari for about three years. And then I was like, I got to move on because I'm not an assistant. I came here to be in comedy. And I had been doing sketch comedy and stand up on the side on weekends. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I was like priming myself for Saturday oh, Night Live. Wow. And then um, I ended up giving like a five week notice to make myself move on because he and his wife, Connie, took such good care of me. I, w- I would have never left. So I said, okay, Maury, I'm giving you a five-week notice. I'll hire someone, train them, and then I have to move on to force myself to move out of this comfort zone because it really what had become a comfort zone. Mm. And uh, so I hired someone, trained them, moved on five days before I left. Everybody thought I was crazy. And, and this is a, th- a thread that runs throughout my life. I always trusted that I would be okay. You with me? It's a lot of trust. Yeah. And here's the difference. When you believe it it doesn't mean that i didn't have moments of oh, holy sh- yeah darn <laughs> yeah i forgot <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> yeah okay holy <laughs> shit what am i gonna do you know five uh-huh. five days and these five weeks were up and um 
everything would just work out. And sometimes, I don't know, it's just about your attitude and perspective. And now I understand that at 50 years old, I got it, man. That's why I love helping people get back on track and alignment with that. That's really important for us to share. There are so many of us, and it's not just men, it's just not just women, it's everyone, mm-hmm. afraid of change. Yes. And you are describing that you've made some major changes. Mm-hmm. And I used to be someone who also was afraid of change. And then I found I was being starved of experiences mm. by not changing things on small and large levels. Then I started to realize that I was not nourishing my own life by not experiencing changes and new things. When I used to be afraid of change, I, I thought I was in that, quote, comfort zone, but it was always uncomfortable. So what kind of comfort zone is that? But I found that it was scarier not to change, but it was scarier not to change is what I'm trying to say. Right. Instead of scared, you know, I was scared to change, and I found it to be much scarier not to change as time kept going by. What were your indicators that were like, Libby, we got to change? Because I'm sure there are people who need to hear like, wow, I have that too. I need to act on it. Or when do you know you should act on it? Hmm. Well, for me, like Mari, um, I felt like they, every, all my needs were met. I was paying my bills. He would tell someone on the team, like, hey, find out what Libby wants for her birthday and just get it for her and wrap it. And, you know, so, like, it was just everything. He flew me to Boulder, Colorado every year for my birthday, gave me a great Christmas bonus. Like, really, he and his wife, Connie, were just extraordinary people to me and, and still are. I love them. Um, but I knew there was something in my heart, in my soul that said, it's time to move on. If you don't move on, you're going to be here for 10 years. So I made myself move on, took the leap of faith, took a job somewhere else got fired from that job. I was an associate producer at something called USA Live with the People's Court and Love Connection. Don't ask. I was really bad typing <laughs> so transcripts. You trans- said enough. <laughs> right? I, I, I was really bad at typing transcripts. I got fired after like maybe two or three months. And then I um, emailed all my friends and said, hey guys, I'm a really good housekeeper. If anybody needs someone to clean their house, let me know. Because I had done that kind of on the side throughout my life. And so I went from Maury's, you know, personal assistant to emailing my friends going, hey, if anybody needs a housekeeper, and I got a couple gigs out of that. And then I just was open to freelance jobs and did random stuff. And I thought, well, I'm going to give the comedy thing a go for two years. And I tried for two years. And I even, yeah. So then I, the job at Rolling Stone came up. So I got this job as the wow. second assistant to Jan Wenner at Rolling Stone. Wow. And his first assistant, Mary McDonald, taught me so much. I would not have gotten the job with Oprah had I not worked with Mari, I mean, uh, Mary McDonald. So she was the first assistant. I was the second assistant. Um, was still in that sketch comedy group at the time. I actually got an interview, an informational interview with the head writer of Saturday Night Live, and I walked out of there going, I'm never going to get a job here. Like, these are interesting white guys in their 40s who all went to Ivy League schools. This is in the 90s. You know, I had no writing experience. I just knew I'm not going to be writing here. So then I started thinking, well, where do I want to go? And and at this point, I'd been with um, at Rolling Stone for maybe three years, and I was like, I suck at being an assistant. I forget phone calls. I don't like filing. I'm being really honest here because what, what's the point in like... The truth is so important. Yeah. And, and I want us to role model how important it is to speak yeah. that truth. Yes. It's so freeing. Oh, my God. It's for, so freeing and it's so healthy, I think. Yeah. Yes. And especially because I had this whole career as an executive assistant to this point, about mm-hmm. seven years. And so I started thinking, well, I'll write for Rosie O'Donnell because she's gay. I'm gay. She appreciates 
young kids and older people and I appreciate young kids and older people and she's funny and I'm funny and you know we'll be great like I'll be a great writer for her so I started sending submissions so again your question how do you know when it's time to go there was something in me my gut my soul my mm, that that yeah, that instinct that goes like come over here come this way you're bored you want to feel alive that's what it is that's what it is you want to feel alive what happens to you personally when you don't listen to that? I metaphorically start to die this slow spiritual death is how I would describe that. Um, I just feel like I'm not fulfilling my potential, what I came here to do, you know? I'm, and, and for me, it's I can articulate it much better now. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it is aligning with my higher self and I you can call that God source divine universe energy high vibration Allah Jah we could go on and on and on my belief and I do not mean that I'm right or wrong it's my belief today is that that thing that we're talking about is called by so many different names Mm -hmm. and we're arguing over what to call it so we're missing the actual message Oh, you just worded something so important for me that I actually could not put to words. You nailed it. How how do you feed yourself spiritually? Mm. Now that we're talking about something mm-hmm. so important right now, the spiritual aspect of existing and going through lives, like how do you feed yourself spiritually? So I have, uh, I want to say one thing before I answer that, yeah, which yeah. is, as I told you before we went on the air, I haven't Googled anyone in five years. So people are like, hey, we're going to do this interview, and here's my link, and you can listen to these interviews. Well, I don't listen to it. I just, like I said, I like meeting people heart-to-heart, energy-to-energy. There's really only been one person who was super offended that I didn't do my research on her when I met her. and But she, I, I, I understand, because she's so used to people. She has a very high level, a very big job, and um, she's used to people coming to her for something. So she's like, mm. well, what... It, what do you want? Like, what do you want from me? And I said, I don't want anything. Our mutual friend introduced us. And I, no. I guess he thought we'd get along or, you know, have something in common. She was like, yeah, but I don't understand. Like, how can I help you? I said, I really don't need help. I'm, this oh, is during so the gypsy tour, right? Like, I don't understand this dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Wait, don't you want something from me? But I, even in that moment where normally I would have felt really insecure and bad, like, Oh God, I should have done my homework. I'm doing the opposite. I'm just going back to old school, you know, meeting uh-huh. people heart to heart, energy to energy. So to answer your question, I, one, I didn't do research. And when you were describing what primary, I was thinking, oh, wait, is this about food? Like, I don't know anything about food. Why would DJ Love, you know, want me on her <laughs> show? Like, I don't really know anything about food. So when you described it in the intro, I was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Because that's what I have been doing for the past five years. And that's yep. what I help people. Now I understand why you invited me on. Um, Sherpa, the way back to that primary space in their life that's so incredible and essential for our well-being. And, and you don't like to call it coaching. You call it more like a guide of some sort, or how do you describe that? Well, I do, you know, for the purpose of LinkedIn. Um, I think <laughs> I have it out there as like a personal and professional coach. Yeah, um, and then you, and I have people saying, oh, you should put executive coach, you should leadership coach, and all this stuff. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do what feels right. I don't care what people call it. I, I work with people that are very high profile and very corporate and blah, blah, blah. And I work with people that are single moms, uh, unemployed, you know, and, and trying to make ends meet. Guess what? I'm helping those two people with the exact same thing. Mm. Interesting. So call me whatever you want. Uh-huh. I call it a coach for the purpose of 
putting myself, people like to put people in a category and, and I get it. They need to understand what you do. So I'm a coach. And what, it, what is it like to work with someone who is in a place where you're like, wow, that's so familiar and that, do you call it a stuck place? Do you call it a... I just call it, and, and again, I'm gathering all of my information, everything that I know from, um, number one, the obvious, working with Oprah for 11 years, learning by her side, learning from her, um, learning, watching two tapings a day for 11 years, you know, of all these extraordinary people that have come across her stage on that show, whether it was teachers and masters or ordinary people doing extraordinary things. They're all the same, you know? Um, so learning from all of that, um, I've had partners, girlfriends, meeting partners in my life that I've been in relationship. Every single one of them has taught me so much. I mean, a lot of what you hear me, how I articulate my thoughts has to do with a lot. Um, you know, my last partner in particular. So, um, actually all of them, I can't even say just like, just all of them. I've learned from everybody. Um, and workshops that I've taken, my own personal therapy that I've been through, um, books that I've read. I'm not all a huge of this reader. is great primary food. Yeah, therapy, reading, yeah, relationships. It all mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And like you were describing, some people would describe changes as failures, but you're t- calling it oh as God, learnings. No. Oh my so God! So let's talk I'm, about I'm the so difference you said that. between that. You can yeah. hey, feel free to like pull me back on track because you can see I meander sometimes. I'll go down a back <laughs> road, and you're like, she never even answered that question. No, there's so. no such thing as getting lost on this show. Oh. It all makes sense. Okay, cool. So failures <laughs> versus learnings. Oh my God, I love this so much. This is a big topic for me. Okay, <laughs> all right. So I'm going to use my own life as an example because I don't know what else to do. Okay, so when I my very first job out of um, college, I was dating, selling radio time for this little AM station in Salem, Massachusetts. After about ten months, I was realizing like no one's listening, and I feel bad selling this product that no one's listening to. So um, I just stopped going, and I would go home and watch like soap operas with my um, roommate and like write in fake calls. Bad, not a good thing to do. I was twenty. 20, 21, I think. Oh. Anyway, I ended up, the, the owner one day was like, uh, hey, I want to talk to you. And I was like, yeah, I want to talk to you too. And he goes, um, oh, you go first. And I said, well, you know, I've been here for 10 months. I've learned all that I can learn. I think it's time to move on. He was like, uh, so I'm giving you my two-week notice. He was like, why don't you just pack your things and leave today? I was like, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that was my first firing, my very first job. Uh-huh. Well, at the time I was horrified and like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. But I realized I, my heart was not aligned with what I was doing, Right. I thought it was going to be a great thing, but I realized no one's listening to that radio station I was selling, and I felt bad taking these people's money, for, and I felt like that I wasn't... So I, instead of me saying, hey, it's time for me to move on, this isn't working out for me, I just I kind of went, mm, you know, and then the guy fired me, but because I didn't have the courage at the time to move on in a direction that felt more in alignment with who I am, the universe did it for me, essentially, which was my boss firing me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another, I worked at Ryko Disc once. I'm going to tell you all my firings. Because, um, you know, I went on to work at like a newspaper and so uh, Albert real estate advertising, the Marblehead Reporter. And then I ended up uh, leaving there to take this great opportunity to work at Ryko Disc. And I was working as a freelancer. Um, I helped two designers create the covers. It was the first CD only record label. And they were like waiting for Bo- David Bowie to sign on for some really big deal for all of his 
like whatever. Anyway, they said, Libby, you know, the, the, the owner was like, we, we have to let you go because we can't afford to keep paying you $10 an hour or whatever it was at the time. Well, I was furious. I'm like, I left a full-time <laughs> job and health insurance, you know, and you promised. He's like, it's business. I didn't get it at the time. Uh-huh. Of course I understand. It's yeah. business. So, but again, all of those firings, I look back and go, thank God, because it pointed me in a different direction to ultimately get to New York, to ultimately get to Mari, Rolling Stone, Oprah, you know, and what I'm doing now. So I promise you, so I'd like to say, whoever is out there that just got fired, oh, I know you. I know how you feel. Whoever feels like I'm about to get fired, what I would suggest is open up your heart and say, okay, what am I supposed to be doing? And start looking that, to things that make you feel alive, you know? Um, and if, if you do get fired before you take the leap of faith to move on yourself, it's okay. It's fine because something better is waiting for you right around the corner. You have proof. You. You have, I, you my have whole life is proof. Experience. My whole life is proof. That is amazing that you said that. I know that people who are listening to people who are tuning in are are already naturally heart forward type people Mm -hmm. so we can be sensitive Mm -hmm. and feel like failures when something changes your message of allowing that to just be and not be a quote failure and change the language is so important it's major we don't teach this in school Mm. kids you know kids we learn to fail in school as young kids. Mm-hmm. That is where the first concept of the letter F mm-hmm. gets tacked to you and you have, you know, done not your best when actually you did your best. Yeah. Think about yes. it. You know? Right. Think about that. Yeah. So that is, uh, you could not have described that better. And I'm so grateful for that because in the past I knew that I wasn't nourishing my heart and soul and mind as as good as I am now because I kept considering things that I didn't go all the way with, quote, all the way with as failure, instead of seeing it as that was all the way. Yes. Right. So you have gone through many jobs and people are also afraid of changing jobs. Like, what can you say to people who right now, the economy is, you know, everything's changing. Mm -hmm. This whole, you know, administration, everything's getting shaken up. Mm -hmm. People do want change and, and they're afraid. What more can you say about how to be more open to trying something different and lis- really listening to that, that voice. Um, what I know, uh, not a, an original thought, it's been around forever, um, and Oprah talked about it a lot, and Dr. Wayne Dyer and Esther Hicks, Abraham, what you focus on expands. That is the honest God's truth. I mean, I've really used my own life almost as a Petri dish, an experiment in the mm-hmm. past five years. Like, hey, okay, I'm going to try to answer the question, not get off track. <laughs> uh, um, um, what you focus on expands. So I would say in this time, what's happening is there's a snowball of fear right now. Like when people say to me, how you doing? I'm like, I'm fantastic. Or I'm great. And they're like, really? And they look at me like, really? With oh, everything wow. going on in politics right now? You know what I mean? And I say, yeah, I am. And I own it. Yeah, I am great. Do you feel, do you feel my energy? I feel it. Can you hear it? <laughs> I think you guys can hear it. And the thing is, is that, uh, you know, I'll be open about it and honest. I voted for Hillary. I did not vote for um, Trump. And also, 
I feel, and I did go to Marsh, uh, Washington to march, you know, I didn't chant anything negative and hateful because I know that what you put out comes back for sure. We're all energy at the core. We're all energy, atoms, cells, and molecules. And what you put out comes back in the same way that you send it out. So um, it's something to be aware of. And I do think it's important to stand up and use our voice and go to these marches and protest. It's how you do it is also important. Oh, good point. And how you manage your energy about yes. it. Yes. Um, one thing I loved about the March on Washington is it didn't feel angry. I mean, it was wildly peaceful, I thought, with so many people there. Wildly peaceful. Yes. Wildly peaceful. Like, oh, the wild woman, you know, like the most gorgeous, beautiful, like your internal, who we all are as women. And even the men that were marching, you know, really tapping into their feminine energy. It wasn't hateful. It wasn't, yeah, of course there's going to be some people saying some hardcore stuff and I get it people are angry you know and there's a lot of people that have been under a lot of um, oppression and things like that for a long time I'm just saying number one it's super important to stand up and use your voice two it's also super important to understand how you do it the energy you put it out there will come back to you in some capacity that is absolutely true and we're going to take a little music break and we're going to come back and talk about Libby Moore Gypsy Tour. But before we go to this break, I'm going to read a little blurb that I wrote into my journal this morning, which I feel like really sums up what we were just talking about with work. That all this time, I thought it was what I do at my job and my actual job that defined my life. But now I see that it's everything else I do outside of my job, in my solo time, and my time at home that actually defines my life. We'll be right back. Now if you know, don't try to tell me Cause I've got to find out for myself And if it's so, don't try to sell me Cause I've got to find out for myself I know experience is a mother But those will have no other So I've got to find out for myself find out for myself And I can't argue with security But I've got to get down from the shell I know you just want to guide me But something deep inside me Wait a minute. 
that's a great track called Gotta Find Out. And if you could rewind and listen to the lyrics of that song, because I thought it was, I chose it because I thought it was just so perfect about having to, you know, find out about yourself and so on. So, you know, as you guys know, I'm here with Libby Moore. And let's let's continue the talk about how you feed yourself spiritually. Um, every morning I get up and um, I always do about 20 minutes of meditation and then maybe five, ten minutes of intentional prayer or intentional thought, whatever you want to call it. It's all the same thing. Um, and to me, that, oh, my God, I feel high after I do that. So describe that. So someone who doesn't mm-hmm. do that now, mm. who might never have thought yeah. about intentions, this mm. is something I do, because mm-hmm. I learned about my negative intentions being super powerful and then realizing, well, what if they were positive? Super powerful. So... Give someone who's listening an idea of how to set intentions in the morning. Mm. Um, In particular, if you don't meditate, you could just simply sit somewhere, relax, and take three deep breaths and slow exhales. Let me just say, it's very Fisher-Price, but that is one of the best tricks in the book, right? I mean, also when you're stressing and anxious anytime, just stop yourself, three deep breaths, slow exhales. It automatically blocks the cortisol release in your head, that chemical cortisol, which makes us feel like anxious and, Hmm. um, you know, so that automatically stops that release of cortisol. And then um, in that space where you're clear, you know, we are now that you've taken a couple deep breaths and slow exhales, you can visualize where you want to see yourself. So a lot of us, when we're stressing, we're stuck in the past. What is that quote? Like if you're feeling guilty, you're stuck in the past. And if you're feeling anxiety, you're, you're stuck, stuck in, in the future. future. Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful quote. Right? Who said that? I don't know, but it's so true. So true. So the deep breaths and slow exhales will bring you back to boom, the present. present. And it realigns you with your higher self, whatever you want to call that, whether you're just saying it's me and it's my higher intelligence or it's God's source, the universe, energy. It's all the same thing, I believe. Um, And then in that clear space in your mind, once you've relaxed yourself, you tell yourself something you know to be true and positive about yourself. That's a real fact. Or you envision where you want to be in the future. So if you want a new job for those people that are feeling like, oh, God, I, Mm. I need to get out of here. In after those deep breaths and slow exhales, envision yourself walking into the office space, or maybe if you want to be that you want to work where you want to work. If you want to work at Google, imagine yourself opening the front door to Google, you know, in San Francisco or New York. Or if you want to be a writer, imagine yourself curled up in a window seat and you're overlooking the ocean and you're writing your novel. What it sounds hokey to people that are like, yeah, right. What does it do for you? I mean, I think it sets us into action. Yes. Is that what it is? It, it does. And I feel it gives us hope and a direction hope. to go in. I mean, what's a, okay, what is Instagram? So let's go back to collages from the 80s, right? Remember making collages oh, in yeah. the 80s? All the pictures that you wanted to have come true in your life or yeah. feelings that you wanted. In the 90s, guess what? It was called a vision board. In the 2000s, it's called Instagram and Pinterest. It's the exact same thing. Wow. Right? You with me? I never thought about that. Collages then became vision boards. Then vision boards are now online, and it's called Instagram and Pinterest. Pinterest in particular, it's the same thing. You make boards of what you want. You know? I did not think about it like that. Yeah. So uh, one really important way to feed yourself is to create visions for yourself. 
that you can then create action steps to attain that. Yeah. Otherwise, you're stuck. And you get nowhere, right? Right. Like, th- even just looking at this uh, wooden desk coffee table here, at some point, someone thought, hmm, I'm going to make a table. It was a thought in their head. And then let's pretend they mm. got a napkin or a piece of paper and sketched out what they wanted to be. And then that led to actual, you know, someone creating this. So all of this stuff that we're seeing, it starts as an idea in your head. And then you sketch it out or whatever your process is. I think this is really important to hear that, you know, everyone has to go through their own process, their own kind of, I guess, identity crisis of sorts. Yeah. Maybe multiple identity crises in a lifetime before you get to where you're comfortable with being this higher self. So talk about the higher self again, because every time you say that, I, I'm like, huh, something about that mm-hmm. is, is like buzzing for me. Mm-hmm. So what is your higher self? I can, I'll explain it how, what I believe it to be in my head, in my little universe in my head. doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It's just how I, I, what I believe it to be. Um, I grew up Episcopalian. I don't, identify as an Episcopalian um, because it's very limiting for me based on what I know now. So I, in my personal life, I call it God, you know? But I don't mean a guy with a beard and robe flying in the sky. That's <laughs> not what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, when I'm working with people, I always say, um, do you believe in something bigger than yourself? In the intro call, I always say, ask them this question. Do you believe in something bigger than yourself? There's no right or wrong answer to that question. And some people say, yeah, I believe in God. And some people say, oh, I believe in the universe or higher power or something. Um, but or some people say, no, I, I don't believe in any of that. I think it's all crap and it's me and my decisions and that's it. And then I die and that's it. And I say, and I ask all of these people, so what would you call that? Like this one guy who said that to me the last, he goes, um, I said, do you believe in like, there's like, you have good decisions and bad decisions? He said, of course. I said, so would you say that's like from your higher intelligence and lower intelligence? Of course. I said, let's put a name on that higher intelligence. Um, what would you call that? And he said, possibility. I was like, right on possibility. Right. Mm. So whether you call it God source, Ja, Allah, energy, possibility, I think we're all talking about the same thing. So that when I say higher intelligence, I mean when I'm in alignment with my higher intelligence, which I believe is this high, an higher energy, this collective higher energy that I, I'm, I'm asking to be aligned with me. And I'm aligning my energy with that energy. And to me, that is a place where limitless ideas, solutions, possibilities lie, creativity, love, connection. That's what it is. Do you find that that energy is external and outside of your body and you have to harness it, or is it in you already? I think it's both. I think it's in and out. I think it's inside and outside, and it never leaves you. Does that make sense? So we're all atom cells and molecules, right? We know that. We learned that in like middle school science, that table, yeah. you and I, water. So, I mean, we could spend hours on this, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, so we're all essentially atom cells and molecules vibrating together in this thing we're calling Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I feel like when I, I can only speak of my own experience, when I am meditating and I get calm and I'm not letting the thoughts race in my head, I am managing I'm not allowing my thoughts to just run like a crazy hamster on a hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. I'm aligning with breath and my higher self, and I feel wildly calm and peaceful. That's amazing that you say you can manage 
those thoughts and manage basically manage your vibration and that means managing your abundance mm-hmm. yes keep going with me okay so when you can instead of focus on lack yes and you can manage your desires for abundance and know that you can have it yes that energy instead like already just saying that i'm like i feel awake awaker yeah what is the power of thinking that way and and how does that openness how did that openness bring you to creating your gypsy tour movement for yourself um big move well yeah it was a big move and like i said it was something in me saying it's time to go so oprah had announced that her show was ending uh, that was a two-year-out announcement before the end. And at some point soon after that, I said, look, I'm going to help you transition into the network and out to California. And, you know, but once you're settled, once you feel good and you're settled, I need to move on from this role because I'm fried. I'm so spent. I've been through three relationships. Or I'm on my third relationship at the time. You know, I never, I just, I'm fried. It's, it's like a was lot. Was it scary to admit you were fried? Yeah, it was. And I didn't want to leave. I mean, I, mm. I didn't want to leave. And she, I don't think she wanted me to leave. We both tried to work out something that would... I said, she goes, well, we've got two years. Let's work it out. And we couldn't agree on what that role would be. And there was a part of me, in all honesty, I thought, wow, really? You can't, you can't just create something for me? Which is kind of funny when I think about it now. But I'm so grateful that we didn't because I, you know, I thought, well, okay, I'm going to go. And I'm going to take a year off then. And I decided I was going to call it the Libby Moore Gypsy Tour and give myself a year to follow my heart. And I thought, well, Stevie Nicks, I don't so know, <laughs> you know, more in tour rhyme. And I Stevie Nicks it. had a Gypsy Tour. Like, why can't I? And she's awesome. And that sound, seemed kind of fun. So I called it the Libby Moore Gypsy Tour. Just really is a, a fun thing, like a cute little thing. I didn't think it would become anything or certainly not my life. Where are you in the tour right now? I'm and going into my sixth year. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so, so how did it start? How does someone, how does someone who's listening say, you know, who's saying, hey, I want to start my own. Yeah. How do you usher them into the idea of, like, go for it? Yeah, I feel like, and it's important for me to say this, too. I'm not telling people to, like, you know, leave your spouse and kids and quit your job and go do your own thing and call it something cute. I'm not saying that. I mean, there are people in that circumstance that are like, hey, you know what? I don't really have any ties. I'm just going to go do this. That that was my, uh, I mean, my my girlfriend and I were together, but um, I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have kids. I don't even think I had a bike. I didn't even have a car when I left. I just worked. You know what I mean? Um, so, so I was in a position, um, financially too, where I had paid off all my debt and I had a little bit of savings and I just went for it. I just thought I'm going to do it for a year. And everybody said, you can't take a year off. People forget about you. And that made me want to do the opposite. And I said, Oh really? Wow. I go, well, pretty strong comments. Very. Oh yeah. Cause you know, when you're in the entertainment world, you get it. It's like people are like, Oh, you got to stay in the loop and in the game and you got to network. Like I don't, I never was that person to just go network to, to schmooze with people to, I don't, that's just not me like to get ahead, you know? And so I thought, well, if people forget about me, I said, then, then we're not meant to collaborate together. It's fine. Um, so back to your question. <laughs> I'm trying you have, to, you I'm are, you're great at anything. letting go. I feel like you're I'm role a, modeling a lot of mm, good letting goes, mm, which is not easy for people. And, and no. it takes us a long time to build that muscle because we tend to hold on to things out of fear and stuff. Yeah. But you're like, you know what, the, what you just said about, you know, what, I don't care. Just 
I got to do it because you're listening to that inner voice in you and you needed to feed that more than you needed to please everyone else. Right. Yes. And I will say again, I'm five year. I left five years ago this month. So it was humbly bumbly for a while. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I love it. Humbly humbly bumbly. Bumbly. <laughs> it just came to mind like, <laughs> you know, or my girlfriend was like, Libby, calm down. You know, like it's okay. And I was like, I'm not going to have any money or, you know, I went through a lot of stuff and I went through a major, um, this is important to say too, I like, a. Uh, what is it called? Like a personal identification mini crisis where I uh-huh. go, who am I if I'm not Oprah's chief of staff? Mm. Right. The title and the access and the power and the, I didn't think I was caught up into it in it until I got out of that job. And then I was like, Oh, I'm just Libby. Who am I? And I went through this really weird. So state. how did you answer that question? Wait, before you answer that, um, Vitor in the, in the sound booth, I think I need to get another 15 minutes for this episode. Are we good with that? got the thumbs up okay exercising my powers here yeah how did you answer that who am i that's been my whole um search that's that's i love that you just said that that's been the libby more gypsy tour who am i and um i realize that i'm the same wonderful person that i was when i got that job with 11 years of extra experience right um and and met some really wonderful people and experiences and learned so much from Oprah. And in the past five years, I just keep peeling back the layers. Like, there is no finish line. That's what I tell people. And I, I'm not perfect. My God, I'm working on so much in my life. Not working. I don't like that term, working on. It sounds like li- laborious, right? It's, <laughs> is that, did I say that right? Like you laborious. And you need to fix something. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's broken. Like and I, I mean, I just learned that in the past six months where, oh my God, so humbling <laughs> stuff I've learned and how I've learned it. Um, it's, an unfolding of who am I, who am I, who am I? And yeah. So who are you? I am a person that loves to make people laugh and I, I love helping people and I love connecting heart to heart and energy to energy. I love conversations. I love meeting new people. I love helping people in need. And, um, I love aligning with this higher power. It's my number one thing. I I love the feeling of being aligned, opening myself up as a vessel and allowing this higher, higher power to flow through me. Um, it's not 24 seven, you know, we're, we all have egos and stuff and like old stuff from our childhood that we work through, but it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's exciting. Now you mentioned stuff about childhood, that Mm -hmm. baggage. We all yeah. have that. Mm-hmm. Do you find that to be something that we must let go of, or is it actually something that we can use to our advantage? Uh, I think you can use it for your advantage. For me, I look back and I go, wow, had, had A, B, and C not happened in my childhood, I would not be the person I am today. I would not be hyper in tune to people's energy and be able to track what's happening in a room, right? And A, B, and C kind of meaning not the most positive experiences yeah. either, right? You know? Yeah, I don't want to go into it yeah. here on the radio, but um, yes, correct. So in coaching people now, I say, look, this is not therapy, and I am not experienced to be a therapist, so this, this is not in, you know, in lieu of therapy, you're going to do this. You can enhance it, but it's not. But every time at some point I'll say, someone will be describing something, I don't know why I do this. And I was like, well, explain that to me. Where have you seen that before in your childhood? I'm making this very short for the sake of radio. And someone says, oh, my mom did that, or my dad did that, or mm-hmm. I was raised by my grandmother. It's like, right, boom, okay, right there. That's what was modeled for you. That's where you picked it up. Now, how do you course correct in your life now? That's not who you were, are. 
You got what I'm saying? Course correct. Course correct. What does that mean? It means instead of by default just doing this stuff that we saw our parents do or whoever raised us, right? Uh-huh. Which isn't helping your life because maybe they're stressed about money. So you spend about money, you know. These applicable to their life. Applicable to their life at their time and key from their childhood. Right. So the stuff that they brought into their adult life from their childhood and then what was happening at that time that we were kids. It's you catch yourself in that thing that you're doing that you don't want to do anymore. Let's say you're a controlling person or something and you're someone in your family was controlling that was modeled for you. Right. So you catch yourself in the controlling act. Take a deep breath. Slow exhale. Three if you have time. And then in that new place and also that three seconds or that it takes with a deep breath and slow exhale will buy you enough time to mm. think before you act. It's the bridge between the old default that you do knee jerk reaction. It will, you walk across that bridge of three seconds and then you're like, ah, oh, you come from your higher place. Right. And then you, in that place, you make a different decision. Um, does that How make sense? It, it makes perfect sense. Another, yet another thing of, you know, another piece of primary food and how to feed a woman, taking time, taking yeah. time to think and breathe. The power of pause. Right. Breathing, the power of pause. Huge, hugely important. We're going to take another music break and then we're going to continue on how the Gypsy Tour feeds you. and stir big chefs big ideas the new podcast from the anti-hunger organization share our strength brings together your favorite chefs and amazing social innovators to discuss how food impacts almost every major issue you care about your health your environment and your children's ability to learn uplifting stories from chefs like michelin star winner jose andres people want our respect People don't want our dirty shoes and our old pens. People want us to show up and show them that they really matter to us. And Top Chef winner Brian Voltaggio. Hunger has many different faces. 
you can walk down the street every day and see children playing in the playground. They're hungry. They don't know where they're going to get their next meal. They don't know if they're going to have dinner. Can be heard at strength.org slash passion. You can help change the world by changing the way we think about food. Listen at strength.org slash passion. That's strength.org slash passion. We're back with Libby Moore. Libby Moore, my dear friend. I just realized we have a lot of friends in common, don't we? Mm-hmm. A couple of friends. We have uh, Jess Tutonico. Yeah. Oh, we are Family Foundation. Her. Robert Galinsky, obviously. Love. Shout out to Nile Rogers. We are Family Foundation. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nancy Hunt. Everyone over there. Love. Stellar. All the GTLs. Mm-hmm. Um, all Jenny Stabonic. Everyone. Uh, so much more to say about all of that. That's a whole other episode. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, you know, we're, we're approaching the end of this a really super important episode. And, you know, I, I don't know, is there anything that you want to further put out there? Any ideas that you want to conclude with? I would say what we've touched on, which is um, if there's one thing you take away from this I, that, that I would like you to take away is about really paying attention to your thoughts and how that affects your life. And what you focus on expands. I, I am a living, breathing example of that. We both are. Mm, yeah. Actually, we all are. Actually, yes. look, look at your own life. Yes. And what you've been focusing on. Yeah. And see what has expanded because you focused on that negative and positively. And we feed ourselves negative thoughts all the time. Mm-hmm. And we catch ourselves. And, you know, I just want to suggest that to feed yourself more positive thoughts. And like you said, you know, sometimes it sounds hokey, but who cares? Who cares? It feels better. Yeah. You know, uh, what else can you say about the fact that we have the power to be positive and take control of our lives? I think that is something that people feel pretty powerless right now, especially with what's going on in, you know, this administration and everything. We can still each feed ourselves what we need, right? Yes. And oh, I can't believe we're doing this right at the very end. People are not powerless, so we need to stop thinking that we're powerless. Um, continue doing the marching, speaking up, doing what you need to do in a, in a in a way that says, "I am empowered." You know what I mean? Gloria Steinem must be like, "Good Lord, I can't believe I still have to do this." Right? <laughs> I mean, we we I I also think the power of our thoughts in that. Um, don't walk in thinking, "God, all those guys on the board," uh, you know. Walk into the room as if you are on the board. Do you know what I'm saying? Feel yourself as that person you want to be. Uh, yeah, I, I should stop there because we don't have enough time. No, we still have a good five minutes, so keep going. I think that it's important to just reiterate that we have personal power. Absolutely. That's what being in alignment is with higher self. That is your personal power. When you're in alignment with that higher self, whatever you want to call it, there's a thousand million different names for it. That's what that is. When we play small, we're not in our higher power. We're, we're mm-hmm. out of alignment. Oh, wow. Good point. And what are ways that you have been feeding yourself that helps you stay in your higher power? I, again, absolutely. Starting every day by um, the meditation and prayer. I started something three years ago that I read about in a Louise Hay book called Heal Yourself, Heal Your Life. And as soon as you get up, you go to the bathroom, you brush your teeth, and you look in the mirror, and you look into your eyes and say, I love you. And it felt so cheeseball. 
um, I think Saturday Night Live even did a sketch on it in the 80s because it was so cheesy. Yeah, Stuart Smiley. (laughs) I love myself. I'm beautiful, smart, you know. But but I did it and I felt really cheesy and then I did the next day and the next day and then by day seven or ten, I my eyes teared up and I thought, wow, why am I so emotional? And um, I've done it for three years now and it changed my life because it changed how I felt about myself and self-love. That is a powerful piece of spirituality right there. Mm-hmm. Feed yourself spiritual, spirituality that way by, you know, having the communication with yourself. Because you could go to church. When do you go to church? Do you go to? I just started again. Um, my friend invited me to go. And the reason why I've been going back every time, actually, and it's really just to sit there and listen to the um, choir. They have a beautiful choir, the Sweet Little oh, Church check that in out. West Village. Yes. I must check that out. And these, sun, these rays of sunbeams come through I the window. I must check that out. Yeah. That would be primary food for me. <laughs> yeah, it's not a religious thing. It's not a. It's a spiritual ex- um, experience that I'm having. It it doesn't have anything to do with what kind of church it is. That's absolutely true, and I find that you know when you go and experience all kinds of other quote churches, mm-hmm. you get fed information, yes, and knowledge, I love tolerance, mm-hmm. and everything. And when you are fed that and you are nourished with tolerance, information, and everything, life is actually a little bit easier and less Mm -hmm. angry Mm -hmm. Uh, and you realize like you know what we all have to exist in this place and everybody's got their gypsy tour that they've got to deal with so what are you what are your goals with your tour now what's the future i the future is i'm living in the present which i never did before (laughs) i mean thank you ram das be here be now um (laughs) that was my trick question for you was it and you you passed it (laughs) I love it. I love it. I passed. Yeah. It's really like this. Our conversation right now is what I'm in. Oh, it was so nourishing for you to come here and speak to me about all of this. And, and thank you so much, Libby, for being here. How can people find you online? Are you, you're not on social media, are you? Or? I'm not. No, I, I do have a website, which is LibbyMoore.com. And um, the only social media I'm on is Instagram, just because I like taking pictures. And it's um, Libby Moore Gypsy Tour. And I'm on LinkedIn, but that's it. So go find Libby. Listen to this episode at least once, twice, three times, because you will three pick times up. a lady. I think three times a lady is the key. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you for listening to Primary Food. Primary Food is produced by Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit member-supported radio station devoted to all things food. Help keep HRN alive by becoming a member today. So go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Do it now. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.